Hello and welcome to episode 39 of what we're listening to. And this is our special Christmas episode. Woo-hoo! The episode which Josh loves the most. <laughs> and here with me, as always, is my non Santa wearing outfit friend, Joshua. How are you doing? It's very true. I am definitely not wearing a Santa outfit. <laughs> Um, now, I have several pieces of trivia, and I just I think I just might throw a few things at you and see what you like. <laughs> Hit me. Now, okay, I'll try this one. Um, <laughs> this is the highest selling single of all time, and it's a Christmas song. Can you oh. guess what Christmas song it might be or who it's by? Tricky one. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion. Um, yeah, is this it's is it Paul McCartney? It's not Paul McCartney. Okay, I thought it might have been Mull of Kintyre, which is his highest sung single, I think. No, uh, so according to uh, this web page, this is the highest selling single. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's in it. I mean, it's in a lot of Christmas movies, but I'm pretty sure it's in the Home Alones. Oh. Uh, I can tell you this one and I'll give you another one to try if you like. Or Yeah, sure. Put me on my misery. It's uh, Bing Crosby's White Christmas. Yeah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's, let's try. <laughs> All right. This is a random one. Um, what was the first song performed in space? And it was a Christmas song. First, what do you think? Yeah, it's a Christmas song that was performed in space and it was the first song performed in space. What song do you think it was? Oh my. <laughs> think as stereotypically Christmas as you possibly can. Um, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or like Jingle Bell uh, Rock. I'm thinking of like space related ones, you know? It was Jingle Bells. I'll give you. I'll give you that one. Anyway, I'll give you. I'll tell you these ones. Don't try and guess these ones because they're a bit <laughs> odd. Um, this one is really interesting. Uh, someone whose name I can't quite pronounce, Walter Afan Asif, Mariah Carey's co co-writer, uh, co-writer on "All I Want for Christmas Is You," sure. also wrote Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On." Okay. Um, the first song to mention Santa Claus or St. Nicholas was Up on the Housetop, written in 1864. Thought that was interesting. Gosh. And last one, this is just a bit of silliness, Jay Livingston and Ray Evans' holiday classic Silver Bells was originally titled Tinkle Bells. They changed it <laughs> after Livingston's wife explained that Tinkle was a synonym for urination. So there you go. There's some Christmas trivia for, for you, brought to you by probably a BuzzFeed list. Um, <laughs> shall, we move, shall we move into uh, any follow-up um, that we've got? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to follow up from the last time? Um, last I mean, it's a, a little bit cheaty. I, um, I didn't want to talk about it late in the episode, um, mm-hmm. but Dave Grohl um, did another... Uh, Hanukkah oh, week yes. of cover songs, um, mm-hmm. with his buddy a producer, and uh, they're a little bit weirder this year, which I I guess appreciate. Um, 
Yeah, they definitely are weirder. Yeah, like some like like scream metal mashup covers and um, you know interesting versions. But probably the one I love the most was actually um, he did a cover of an Amy Winehouse song that his daughter sang on, and she did a really good job. Yeah, um, mm, yeah, she definitely did. Um, it's hard to do kind of like those character voices. Um, like you know those kind of classical jazz singers, so I think uh, I think that turned out well. Um, mm. And then I don't know if you want to talk about it here or later, um, but kind of after listening and editing the last episode, um, and you talking about how you felt about the national album again, um, mm-hmm. I spent more time than I probably should have um, <laughs> trying to put together their two latest records into something that I would appreciate more than Mm -hmm. either of the two albums apart. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have made a playlist and I think I've listened to it maybe, maybe 10 times since I made it. Um, (laughs) More than you've listened to both those albums. right? Yeah. I really like it actually. (laughs) You know, I tried this too. Um, I only got (laughs) as far as selecting my favorites and I had about 15 tracks, which I really liked. You managed to cull yours to about 11 or 12. Is that right? Yeah. I wanted to make it more like a side A, side B kind of thing. Yeah. It's so hard. I was trying again the other night to to see if I could put mine in a different order. And you're right. It just takes so long to think about what order, like what you should start with, what you should finish with, the Mm. pace of it. I really like yours. I've, I've not listened all the way through, but I had a look and I was like, yeah. I mean, we both agree that, um, the opening track of Sleep Well Beast is actually a great opening track. I think that's a really beautiful song. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to try and keep some of the um, the oeuvre that they work with at the moment, which is like some more down-paced kind of lower-key mm. songs. So I thought that would be kind of a fitting um, opener for this kind of stuff. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. I had something to follow up to, but I can't remember what it is, but that that's a good one. So, yeah. <laughs> I put I put it in last the last episode show notes, but I'll put it in this one again too, just to highlight it. So. Yeah, sure. That's all I had. Yeah, yeah. I don't have much either. Shall we uh, move into our Christmas albums? Yes, please. So I have had another folky Christmas. So last <laughs> year I was listening to Eve and Oxen's uh, Xmas EP. Yes. And um, this year, I'm listening. I've been listening to Harrison Lemke's uh, Technicolor Nativity, which um, I gave you Harrison's uh, album from this year, Forever Idaho. Yeah, only Forever Only Idaho, as a review. Um, and since then, I think I've probably been listening to him more than you. Um, I've quite enjoyed his work and. Mm. I saw around, yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, he posted this saying, I wrote this album, I think a year or two ago. Uh, It's a collection of Christmas songs written over a longer period of time. It seems around Advent, he always writes a lot of kind of Christmas theme songs. So I thought I'd give this a listen and I really enjoyed this album. (laughs) It doesn't feel like a, um, like a, album that has a direct start middle and end it's kind of like a snapshot and a collection of all these different vignettes of being with family and the complexities of that around christmas time yeah um 
Ironically, it feels more like a Southern Hemisphere Christmas than a Northern Hemisphere Christmas to me. Um, the songs don't kind of reference, you know, snow a ton, or it references like lyrics, you know, walking across the frigid tiles and there's snow outside sometimes. But all in all, it kind of feels like a very ordinary sort of storyteller perspective on Christmas. Not so much focused on like what's happening around, but it's more what's happening with the people. So I really liked it. I thought that um, it's really nice listening to kind of very simple, kind of humble sounding music with very simple um, arrangements, but quite thoughtful lyrics. Mm. Um, I love, there's one that's line that's been stuck in my head and it's like, you know, your grandfather will fuss about the car. Your grandmother will fuss about the fuss that you put everyone through. And I'm <laughs> like, that's very good. <laughs> Um, so I've just enjoyed, yeah, it's just rejuvenated my love for kind of folk. Um, I particularly like the song Magnificat, um, the song Technicolor Nativity, which could be straight off a Neutral Milk Hotel album. And then I think the last track, Venite Adoramus Dominum. Not good at my Latin. So yeah. (laughs) Did you, did you get to give it a little bit of a listen? Uh, yeah, yeah. I went through it a couple of times. uh, uh, it's it's very consistent with um his other album you gave me. I feel like it's mm. um the lyrics are a little bit cheeky, um acerbic in some fashion. Um, yeah, but I, I also quite I appreciate the um the feeling the theme of this album as well. Like you're talking about, um he he writes at the bottom of the uh, the Bandcamp page like this is a record. Like, you know, when you feel that you've had, like, uh, where is it, a doomed vacation and, like, an overload of yeah. kitschiness, like, those kind of, like, those kind of things. Um, yeah, cartoon marathons and yeah. video games. And so, like, musically, this album is very un-Christmas-like. I think there's no, like, you know, there's there's no bells, there's no kind of, like, large mm. um, vaulted church ceilings with reverb and that kind of stuff it's really mm-hmm. stripped down and um uh i think the the tone both lyrically and musically um really shine together um i think you, you could listen to this and it wouldn't like make you think of christmas necessarily but that's kind of the point as well like it's not supposed to yeah um have make you have visions of like christmas trees and red ornaments and that kind of thing it's supposed to think make you think of different stuff but i think it does that very well yeah yeah no I'll, i definitely agree with that yeah. i mean i've never been a real big fan of like grandiose christmas music <laughs> um i mean that might seem hypocritical when i really enjoy christmas unicorn kind of thing but this yeah this is really lovely it's been a it's been a very lovely kind of quiet couple of weeks just listening to these small folk songs um so yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it too yeah i mean if i was like listening to it as a whole album i would say like i think there needs to be like a little more um rhythmic exploration for me to be like truly interested in it um you need some drums don't you i need some drums i need something and it's like it's it's pieced together over like lots of years so there's not like a huge amount of like um 
artistic musical movement throughout the whole thing, but that's mm. the nature of the project, I think. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think he also has more Christmas music out, but I haven't got there yet. So <laughs> okay. I've been slow with his music. I know he's got a lot of stuff out, but yeah. So cheers, Harrison, for a great album. <laughs> what have you been listening to, Joshua? Yeah. Um, so I have a different problem where I need to scramble to find a Christmas album each year um, of something that I might find potentially interesting, but don't actually know if I will. Um, I have so, to call mine down from like 20 different <laughs> albums I want to listen to. Um, I have been going through the 2002 release from um, The Bright Eyes, which is just simply called A Christmas Album. Great, great namings. Um, the laugh at that one. Yeah. <laughs> What is it? It's a Christmas album. Um, so I, I kind of find it strange when um, artists and musicians who I would consider pretty aesthetically um, atheistic to make or like record Christmas music. And that mm. might be overly um, sensitive to all the stuff that I've listened to from the Bright Eyes in the past. Maybe I'm kind of putting uh, my view on top of theirs, but um it seems weird to me that connor oberst would do this kind of me- album um so i think it I ends up feel that a little bit too yeah but it, yeah it ends up being a really going dour <laughs> sorry it ends up being a really dour record i think um yeah. probably because of that um hmm. there is very little joy in this album <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of consistent with early 2000s bright eyes as well to be fair and he's doing um, all the really like popular upbeat songs too, like yeah. you know, white white Christmas and you know, have yourself a le- merry little Christmas. Like these are not the like he could have chosen some really depressing Christmas songs too. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is like a a collection of about eleven songs, classic Christmas tunes that he's mm-hmm. covering. Um, he has another guest artist that I've forgotten her name. Um, who features on about half of them together. Um, mm. Yeah, and I I think I find the concept of Bright Eyes making a Christmas album more interesting than the actual reality of the Bright Eyes making a Christmas album. Um, I think maybe two songs I enjoyed off of this, maybe um, Blue Christmas and God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, which are like a little more um upbeat and less kind of sardonic in nature um and they have like kind of interesting like cello parts and um but for the rest of it it's pretty it's pretty depressing (laughs) it didn't really connect with me either i i don't know whether it's like like you say it just feels a little odd for him to be writing a christmas album or it was also just, I felt like some of the musical decisions were like, we want to make this Christmas carol like really moody. So let's put distortion on all the vocals and like make it really yeah. like harsh to listen to. And I'm like, that's kind of cool, but it doesn't feel like it suits it or needs it right now. Like I could have done with just your voice. So I, yeah, it didn't really gel with me, um, but it was interesting to hear, like you say. Yeah. I think it would have been better. I mean, this is pure supposition. I think it would have been better if um, 
the album was actually original songs, maybe a couple covers. Um, mm. I would have loved to have hear Connor Oberst kind of creative because one of the big things about him is like his ability to write interesting lyrics. Um, mm. And that's kind of all taken away by just covering Christmas songs. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, he's already shooting himself in the foot a little bit with this project, which is a bit of a yeah. shame. Well, more and more, I've found that I've loved original Christmas music um, as the years gone on. Like I, I enjoy hearing carols, of course, but I've really found this kind of genre of Christmas music, but not carols, a very interesting place. You can get some great stuff. I think he would have written something good. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I true. feel like I'm just bouncing off what you're saying, but I, no, I agree with that's that. Fair. That's a good point. I, yeah, I don't think any any of these songs, maybe Blue uh, Blue Christmas would make it on a you know a Christmas party playlist. They just kind of depress everybody <laughs> if you started playing them. So it's, get your act together, Connor Oberst. Make a better Christmas album. <laughs> I want, like, so I was thinking about this last night. Sometimes there are bands that do Christmas albums and it feels like they've just been asked by their their record label, you got to mm. do a Christmas album. And they're like, all right, let's do a Christmas album. What songs should we do? Let's make them ours kind of. But it's all it's like kind of a B-side album in some ways. It's yeah. not really very creative and it's not really their best. Um, whereas like even though Sufjan is a bit like that. I don't think that his label was like, you must do Christmas songs. In fact, I know that they have said, stop doing Christmas music um, because (laughs) people were like, stop it. When is Sufjan's, you know, volume 11 through 15 coming out? They're like, no more Christmas music. (laughs) Um, So it's just interesting to kind of like think about what's going on behind the scenes with these albums and like, did he really want to do all these different songs? Like, um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty just, sure Bright Eyes is on a record label owned by Connor Ober's brother. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't think they're forcing him at gunpoint to do stuff. Okay. That's cool. Well, yeah. yeah. I just saw a couple of other albums out by bands that I used to like a long time ago. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think you should have done this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. I'm sorry. No, but, that's um, very fair. Just, I think if like the Red Hot Chili Peppers Christmas album came out, I'd think similar <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's just like, yeah, you see some things like um, just heavy, like heavy metal Christian bands that like put out Christmas music and it's just yeah. kind of a funny combo of things. Anyway, I don't, don't want to gatekeep. You do what you want to do, guys. Enjoy I do it, want to so. gatekeep. That sounds terrible. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's um, go to homework. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit more, a bit more okay. um, fun. <laughs> so uh, this is one of the two Christmas albums that I actually enjoy. Um, <laughs> I, I was personally shocked that uh, you told me you had never heard this record last year. Um, mm-hmm. This is the quadruple platinum soundtrack from um, the cartoon classic Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think it is not only a fantastic Christmas record, but actually a brilliant jazz piece by uh, the Vince uh, Gaiotti tri- Trio. Um, I'm glad you said that, not me. 
<laughs> I think it's Vince Guaraldi. I think it's pronounced. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, this record, uh, I think is so good that it actually elevates past being just crispy music for me. Um, and I would actually, I listen to this at random points in the year, um, mm. ignoring the context. Cause I think it is so well put together and so well performed. Anyway, what did you think about a Charlie Brown Christmas album, Asher? Yeah. So, um, I think I mentioned just, we were texting a while back and around, Halloween, I got recommended the Great Pumpkin Patch um, album, or what's yeah. it called, um, which has a couple of tracks off um, the Christmas album on this one. And so I listened to that a little bit and then I was like, oh, you're going to give me this for Christmas, right? I'll save, mm-hmm. I'll save listening to the Christmas one until then. Um, but what I heard, I was like, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> like it's, it's not lounge jazz it's much more interesting and in, has more integrity than that. Like it's yeah. beautifully done. Like, uh, so I mentioned that it's been very wet and cold here. Um, interestingly, I mean, today it's 38 degrees or something, but um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when I was really listening to this, it was cold and dark and it was this soft, you know, jazz, but these beautiful carol arrangements, I really loved listening to this and I actually watched the Charlie Brown special, which I'd never seen before either <laughs> from 1968. And it was delightful. It was, you know, as stilted and as interesting as like uh, cartoons from that era were. Yeah, but yeah. the music was such a big part of that with, um, you know, is it Schrodinger on the piano? Um, yeah. And like, I just loved all the kind of the percussiveness, the rhythmic, you know, like the the way it kind of moves along even without the drums he's just such a he's the pianist right yes Um, yeah it's just such a beautiful album um very calming i reckon this album has influenced a lot of kind of um i i actually heard snippets of what i think influenced things like la la land in some of the tracks um I don't know, that's just where my brain associates. But I, I thought that the arrangements of the carols were really beautiful. Uh, I'm just, I haven't actually written down my favourite tracks. Let me just quickly check. I think the opening was fantastic, O Tenenbaum. Um, but uh, I really like that, um, yeah, I think it's Linus and Lucy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the bass one. Yeah. So I, I, I don't really have like particular favorites. It was just a gorgeous soundtrack, really beautifully arranged Christmas carols. Like I would love to go to a gig and hear Christmas carols like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have uh, tons to say about it except that it's gorgeous. <laughs> I, I think the, it's, it's such a tasteful um, take um, yeah. on these kind of Christmas songs. And even like, like it's, um what's the word i'm looking for like it's not immaculate like the parts with like the children's chorus are a bit ropey and it's kind Mm, of on purpose because it's like a charlie brown movie um but it has such character and care um even though these like you know jazz piano solos they're just so melodic they don't kind of put you off still um yeah like there's a reason this album broke out of like being a regular soundtrack and actually charted on the billboards. It was so popular. Um, wow. Yeah. So I, I think it's what you're seeing with like, and having cultural reach. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I this is the first CD my family ever owned. Um, mm. I remember having it as a kid, and even then, like it was still, I don't know, just so lovely to listen to. Yeah, um, I've been playing it for my daughter. Um, this and the the pumpkin one, and they're just so. <laughs> calming and relaxing she really loves them so um i think it will be a staple of this time of year and other times <laughs> as it should have been this is why i was yep. shocked that you never listened to it <laughs> i don't know yeah it just wasn't just not something that my parents listened to growing up oh, so yeah. they're not big jazz fans um my mum thinks that jazz is kind of musician's music and even though she's a musician <laughs> she's not She's not a, I know, she's a great singer, but she's not like an instrumentalist. And so um, sometimes she just gets bored by solos. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I find that, ex- not me. that expression's hilarious. I love it. Musician's music. Oh, she's, she tells me a lot sometimes when I send her through um, something like Snarky Puppy. She's like, yeah, that's musician's music. Yeah, I, I would um, agree with her on that one too. Yeah, yeah. I get what <laughs> she means and it's it's accurate because sometimes it's like a very niche interest. And if you understand the technicalities behind it, you can appreciate it. But I would argue that um, this, this album, the Charlie Brown one is not musicians music that can be enjoyed by everyone. <laughs> I demand it's enjoyed by everyone. <laughs> Shall Better I tell them what you, what the more I carry? <laughs> yes. Tell me what, what, yes. what did they give me? Asher? So I, I hope to find something for Josh this year that, um, he would really enjoy and that would probably be a bit more in his wheelhouse. So I gave Josh um, the only Chieftains album I own and know of, <laughs> which is their Christmas album. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's called The Bells of Dublin. Bells of Dublin. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, so this, is, this was introduced to me by actually um, Karen Hefford, who is a part of um, Katie and Karen, who did that. Settlers songs. Ah, um, uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. So she, she and Katie uh, did some of these songs one Christmas when we were in Vancouver, and they introduced me to this album, and I've really enjoyed it ever since. So, what did you think of the Bells of Dublin? Yes, um, this is a bit of a monster of a record in my eyes. It's uh, almost thirty tracks long and like an hour and ten minutes uh, of, of solid Christmas music. So. It took me a couple tries to get through. Yep. Um, uh, so the Chieftains, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, are a bit of a tour de force in like 70s and 80s Ireland. Um, they're kind of one of the major groups at the time who are bringing um, traditional folk music back to the cultural forefront of the country um, mm. with, a, with a couple other ones around them. And so this record is very much a hodgepodge of some traditional um, Christian Christian songs, Christmas songs, and some traditional Irish Christmas songs, um, all kind of smacked together with a whole bunch of guests and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I uh, kind of get two kind of vibes from this record, that some songs feel like they're being performed at like the local or in like a friend's house. Um, and then some of them are like in this huge empty church with all this reverb. Um, 
and you kind of get these two different moods when you go through this album. Um, a lot, a lot of the jigs and like cheekier songs being, you know, more intimate, more house-like and they have, yeah. Um, some of the more traditional, uh, Christmas songs being, um, like sung solo voice in big reverby churches. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think I appreciate kind of the cheekiness of this record. I don't know. Some of the Irish songs are about like... St. Stephen's Day murders? <laughs> yeah, k- killing your relatives or um, like burying uh, a, a bird that died in your yard or about how Jesus was like a bit of a rebel to like the Roman times. You're like, these are kind mm. of a different character than normal Christmas songs that I listen to. Um, yeah. Yeah, some of them are also like a little too Catholic for my taste. <laughs> I'm not talking about Mary too much. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of Mary ones. Um, okay, I just yeah. kind of been listening to it on repeat, and um, sometimes I miss. But that's interesting. Yeah, some of them kind of uh, do blend into each other, and I found myself often um, skipping the more somber ones. Those kind of drag a little bit for me, um, mm-hmm. even if they are in. Um, Irish, which I do love, it's kind of like the tune doesn't really pick up enough. Like you know, give mm-hmm. give me back to the jigs. You know, I want to, I want to, I want more things to dance to. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't is uh, it's interesting. I I don't know if I got like a whole grasp on the on the on the whole thing because it kind of is so large uh, that I would also play it in the backgrounds, but um. Yeah, yeah. As far as like traditional uh, Irish music goes, um, this is like leaning a little towards the kitschiness for me, but still is enjoyable. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I hoped that it would be authentic enough to kind of you know break through the threshold into Josh's world a little bit. <laughs> um, and I thought that some of them, yeah, like the St. Stephen's Day Murders one genuinely feels more like a pub song than yeah. anything else. Um, but then there are others that bore me a little bit. Even though I love Oh Holy Night, I sometimes feel like when people do it, it's a bit too, like, ballady. Mm. And so, yeah, I passed over those two. But I thought they had some very interesting ones, and particularly that song you mentioned, The Rebel Jesus, which is a Jackson Brown cover. Um, yeah. I I really like that song, and that was the song that drew me into this album at the very beginning. So um, the way they do it is just kind of this beautiful sort of almost lumbering but not too slow sort of very sturdy hymn-like song in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I thought that there was some nice percussion and great group singing, and, and yeah, you're right. Yeah. It has this interesting swapping between, yeah, the big, big cathedral-type songs and these small pub intimate songs um, and the the vocal performances are great um because mm. c- different people lead it kind of gives you that vibe of like everyone's learned these songs and you're kind of singing them together um which is yeah. kind of like the the fun thing to do with this kind of music is to learn it and to you know sing it with your family around the fireplace um yeah definitely yeah, I did find it weird that Elvis Costello um, was on the St. Stephen Day Murders. Um, he's okay. the guest, I guess, star, and that was a bit strange to me, but I don't know. What is he in again? Who is he? Like, I don't know a lot about him. Uh, he had a number of hits from his own band from the 80s, 90s. Um, okay. 
he's just kind of around and i was surprised to see him on a chieftain's album um okay interesting but yeah i uh i mean this is like a uh this is certainly a very endearing and character filled record so i can i can enjoy that part of it for sure um nice yeah i enjoyed it um thank you that's good i'm glad you i'm glad it worked um as i was just checking because as i was listening the past week i was like i'm pretty sure that fourth track which is in french is sung it sounds like kate and anna mcgarrigal um and i just checked and it it is them so i think i've mentioned before kate and anna mcgarrigal are rufus wainwright's mum and auntie Mm. so uh his mum's actually passed away now i think that's kate um yeah i always forget which is the mum um but yeah so yeah they pulled in a lot of people from a lot of different countries to do this one it's very cool anyway well i'm glad you enjoyed that shall we uh move on to the honorable christmas mentions or just honorable mentions in general yes please yeah let's do it so uh, Phoebe Bridges has a Tom Waits Christmas song cover out. Did you get to listen to this one? I actually didn't. I, I saw it and I never got around to it. That's cool. I recommend it. It's very beautiful. It's very interesting lyrically. Um, it makes me want to delve more into Tom Waits. I've only heard like a bit <laughs> of the trombones one. What is it? Create some sort of weird trombones album. Our mutual friend Johnny lent us, lent me that album, um, and I've only heard a little bit of it, but I'm interested because the lyrics were quite fascinating. Yeah. So I've had two Tom Waits albums on on my list of things to listen to all year, and just never got around to it. <laughs> well, maybe we'll both get to Tom Waits next year. Yeah, sorry, Tom. Um, second one. This might be a big one. Uh, get back documentary. Oh, yes. did you get to watch any of it? I have not. I, um, weirdly enough, I don't feel any particular need to watch it. I, f- I feel like I've read enough about the Beatles to really not need to watch hours of them. But yeah, I'm, I'm well, glad you, you, did. you seem to know a lot about this. I haven't finished it, I'm only halfway through. It is eight and a half hours long. <laughs> um, so I'm halfway through part two, and George has just joined the band again and they've moved into Apple. Um, headquarters to set up and start recording with two four tracks lashed together yeah. it's fascinating for me who's not done a lot of Beatles history stuff to kind of yeah watch them work together and see Paul he's brilliant it's amazing watching him musically and like watching him write get back like just waiting for John to rock up um <laughs> it's it's quite fascinating <laughs> yeah that's that's a big theme of the documentary. Where's John? Probably sleeping. where's where's John? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's hard because Paul's basically holding the band together at this point, um, and it's yeah, hard it to, like as you it. said, like lead people musically who also don't want to be there. Like it's kind of like it's even harder than usual with this group. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like um, it's interesting because like Ringo's got his film he's filming soon Mm. um george harrison is just kind of a bit aloof um (laughs) john and yoko are kind of doing um interviews and that sort of thing and got their own stuff happening so yeah it does feel a little bit sad like you're watching the 
dying breaths of, of a band. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, at this point, is, George is also working on like solo albums secretly at this point as well. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, Peter Jackson has done an excellent job with being able to edit this and you can see at times he's used footage, which is not quite the right moment, but they've got the audio, but not mm. the footage. And so they managed to like put in bits of conversation using similar pieces of footage. And they yeah. acknowledged that at the start of the film. Um, but it's just, it's really well done. So I'm, I'm very impressed with the way that Peter Jackson's done it. Done it. Um, and how much commitment he has. Yeah. And you went through the actual album a couple of times. Um, yeah. I don't On know me? If you'd, Sorry? Yeah. I don't know if you'd listen to that to, to um, get back before, let it be before. Let it be. Yeah. Yeah. I bought, I, I was late to buying obviously Beatles records, but I remember buying this about eight years ago and getting into Let It Be. And I quite like that album. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of big songs on it. But songs like Two of Us and obviously then bigger ones like Get Back and stuff. But there's some beautiful songs on this. You, though, said to listen to Let It Be Naked instead, which yeah. I did have a listen to a little bit of. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's kind of like the first time I realized the effect a producer could have on a record. Um, mm. listening to the difference between those two. And I understood, um, why Paul was so frustrated with some of the mixing decisions, I think, after listening to both of them. Um, yeah, right. It's, yeah, I found, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did notice that there was quite a difference when I was listening to the first few tracks of Let It Be Naked. Um, though I need to kind of give it a bit more time. Um, because it just sounded like, oh, some, uh, some instruments are louder and some are softer. Like that was just the first thing I noticed, but, um, yeah, it's fascinating to kind of think about remixing an album, uh, kind of to have a different tack. So yeah, yeah. it's cool. Maybe we can talk about it more in the new year. If you, I mean, if I finish it or will, when I finish it and if I have anything more to say, we can kind of touch base <laughs> okay. again. We could, do a, we could do a Beatles um, episode. Yeah, that'd be fun. There, is, there are lots of, like, I've never listened to Revolver. You can shoot me now if you like. Oh, that's a damn shame. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Before we lock it like, for Beatles crimes, keep going. <laughs> okay, last one. Chicken Milk, Badger Land. So last year, um, last year, and full disclosure, because Josh will be silly. Yes, I have a song on this compilation. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so ne- last year I was listening to this compilation called Badgerland and uh, they're run by uh, a guy named Aaron DeVries in Canada and he puts together a compilation of Christmas songs every year and they're all sorts of kind of wacky Christmas songs, some parody jokes, some like serious all and everything in between. And um, I emailed him last year, I was like really loving the stuff, talked about you on the last podcast like i'd love to do a track i didn't actually think i'd get to do it this year but um i did some some silly synth stuff and chucked that on um but i've been listening to this album and really loving the kind of um humble yet profound nature of some of these songs um particularly uh a guy named greg walker so i've been listening to some of his songs and it it has a real sort of neutral milk um 
uh, feel, but also um, Daniel Johnson. Is it Johnston or Johnson? Um, I've forgotten. Anyway, but he's kind of like these raw recordings, these nice, folky, original Christmas songs. And I really appreciate, you know, people writing in that space, like Mm. similar to Harrison, Lemke, these original songs about your own experiences around this interesting time of the year. So, yeah, check this out. There are so many interesting tracks on it. And, um, yeah, and also, uh, of course, Half Handed Clouds, our um, song on it is very interesting. Some great uh, use of clothes dryer <laughs> and air organs or, yeah, air organs and really cool. Uh, he used some sort of like sped up distorted piano sound via tape. I don't know how he does all this stuff. Gosh. Check it out. Um, it's only on Bandcamp. So check it out uh, on Bandcamp. I'll put the sh- link in the show notes. So When you say mm. chicken milk, um, oh, what, what part I of mean, that? Egg. <laughs> Eggnog. Eggnog, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the album's called Chicken Milk. Okay. Uh, and that is- again, the, the artwork is done by um, the two people who did the felt badges from last year. Yeah. For anyone um, who doesn't know, the, the French translation of eggnog is lait de poulet, which is chicken milk. Yeah. Milk of the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've talked enough, haven't I? Your turn. Um, yeah, I got two Christmas ones and then two non-Christmas ones. Um, Look at you. Yeah. Well, first is the album I was considering reviewing, which is the Christmas album from the oh, Crash, yes. Crash Test Dummies. <laughs> Legendary Canadian band, um, who I am an apologist I- of. Um, so they have a Christmas album that I haven't listened to in a very long time. And I... Uh, listen to it again and then showed it to Asher. Um, it's really strange. It's <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> it's, I've listened to some crazy Christmas music in my time and this takes the cake. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's kind of like this weird, um, like David Lynchian, um, like man. Adam's family? Yeah, like Adam's family, like man singing in like a cabaret that's empty but full of like sequins and like maybe a zombie or two like it's really just a strange cultural mishmash of the crash <laughs> test time he's doing like christmas songs in the style of like halloween music it's it's so bizarre i i can't tell if it's an elaborate prank or they just wanted to do something out there because it's like the late 90s and People don't know where music's heading. I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, it's so funny to listen to. And like one or two of the songs are... Li- just thinking about it. <laughs> one or two of the songs are a little more normal, but there are a couple ones that are just out there. And I really appreciate it for being so strange. I should have listened to it more, but the parts that I listened to were just amazing. Is yeah. it the Jingle Bells one that sounds particularly Halloween? Yeah, Jingle Bells is like yeah. what was the we wrote a review about it. What the guy say it's like 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 driving a car that is like decorated in Halloween paraphernalia through like the winter wasteland at breakneck speed or something like that. It's just so out there. Um and also like so unlike every other Crash Test Dummy album I've ever listened to, which is even funnier. Anyway. Yeah, I mean it's it's very it's very badly produced as well, which <laughs> You know, 
Oh, it's, oh, it's that hilarious. Cracks me up. Um, all right, second. Um, I in looking for Christmas songs from alternative indie bands such as the Bright Eyes, I came across the fact mm. that a Scottish band that I listened to twenty years ago um, called Glass Vegas. Uh, okay. had a had a secret Christmas uh, EP they released with certain editions of their first album um, in the UK and so hmm. I managed to dig up uh, songs from that and I listened to a little bit of that um, there was a time where um, singing in full accents was really encouraged in the music industry um, hmm. and Glass Vegas laid on thick man so uh, if you want some barely understandable uh, new Christmas Scottish songs, Glass Vegas have some for you. You know, I, I really do, actually. Okay, I well, do I'll, enjoy <laughs> accents in, in music. I'll put them on the playlist. It, yeah, it's something. Glass Vegas. Thank um, you. Uh, since we last talked, uh, Black Country New Road released one of their uh, songs from the upcoming next album um, mm-hmm. called Concord. Um and I have been absolutely loving this song. I've listened to it so many times. I uh, It doesn't have the same kind of bizarre composition of like the first record where like there's like dramatic switches and like off key, you know, horn hits and that kind of stuff. Um, mm. So what, what, what it makes up for instead is having, I think, a brilliant uh, melody and build. Um, it reminds me of like old arcade fire songs in a good way. Um, yeah, so, that's right. I did yeah. listen to this and you were texting me about it. I like this, this, this song made me excited for their next album. I just want to see what, what happens now. Cause this is to me a more melodically mature kind of um, track to be written. So I think, yeah, I don't know. Second album seems interesting. Good. Yeah. I remember enjoying it. I've, I found it very different, but enjoyable. Different. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, <clears throat> uh, this, this one surprised me. A, um, a live album from the Fleet Foxes. Uh, oh, really? Called The Very Lonely Solstice. Yeah. So we talked about their album that came out this year early. Um, and I was not particularly impressed by it. Um, this, however... I have been really enjoying. So it's uh it's recorded in a church. It's got much more minimal instrumentation. Um and yeah, I think this is worlds better than their actual record that they released. Um both in like performance and composition. Uh I've been really enjoying this. It almost made the the short list for album of the year for me um oh nice or, or top top five so top five uh, yeah i think if i had if it wasn't released last week i probably would have put it on there if i listened to it more um mm. it's really great i really really appreciate this live album it's probably the mm. my favorite thing the fleet foxes ever put together nice is it yeah. old songs and new songs or is it uh mostly new, new. Material? mostly new oh cool yeah that's um, neat yeah so I've been really enjoying that. And that's all I have. Well, uh, thank you for listening. That has been episode 39, a very Chrissy Wissy episode from us. Um, as always, Please uh, don't say that. 
<laughs> I'm keeping it in. As always, uh, we love doing this, and it has been um, a year of fun talking about music. Um, hopefully, you've found something new to listen to, as we have found stuff ourselves. Um, if you have, please let us know. Hit us up on the socials. We've got it all, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, leave us a comment or a review, maybe a music recommendation. We read them all when we get them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, thanks once again for listening. Have a good new year, and we'll catch you in 2022. Thanks for listening. See you, Asher. See you, man. Bye. Yeah, bye.